Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It's great to be with you guys. We're going to start today, actually, though, real quick. I know it's football season. I know that the ever-important Tennessee game is coming up on Saturday night in a sold-out Neyland Stadium for the first time in three years. Is it 2017? I'm not counting COVID. COVID year does not count for sellouts. I think this is the first sellout since Georgia 2017 in Neyland Stadium. So I know all that's on the forefront. We're going to talk about this game some more coming up here in a second. Going to start with basketball news. Kermit Davis, Ole Miss, get a huge, huge commitment yesterday from Malik Ewan, E-W-I-N, Malik Ewan, uh, a four-star center, is from uh, from Georgia. And do uh, you know where Lilburn is? Lilburn, Georgia? Georgia? Yeah. I don't know where it is. I've heard of it, though. Not so, exactly familiar with it. Uh, depending on what recruiting service you look at, he is definitely a top 150 player, number 74, at least on one recruiting service. He had offers from Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Illinois, Virginia Tech, and Xavier, among others. He was a first-team All-State selection. Uh, his 7A team finished runner-up in the state championship. He's uh, been big on the AAU circuit. It's a big pickup. It's a huge pickup, honestly, for a program that – you know, hasn't always been able to get kids like this. They have a few in the past, but um, you got to give Kermit Davis credit. Has it always been as much as others in the SEC? No, there's been some left to be desired in recruiting compared to your conference counterparts. I think that's fair to say, although there are nuances that are attached to that. Like, Will Wade just got a five-star commit last week. I mean, that's a pathetic joke at this point. The fact that Greg Sankey allows this to happen is really, really sad. But one of the questions about Kermit Davis was, will he be able to acquire talent to compete in an ever-improving SEC? Alabama's getting players. A&M's getting players. LSU is paying at getting players. Uh, the, the league's getting better. And Ole Miss, if they want to keep up, have to continue to sign players like this. It's a big pickup for Kermit Davis. It's a really good sign and a very important year upcoming in hoops as well for his program. But that's a really, really nice signature for uh, for Kermit Davis when they need it because the league's getting better. Yeah, it absolutely is. And something that has interested me kind of leading into this recruiting cycle is can he do it with his own guys out of high school? We've seen him, especially before last season, kind of go to the transfer portal to try to make up a roster and kind of have it all gel together. But if you can pick up more kind of blue-chip recruits out of high school, I think that does a lot more for your for building your program mm-hmm. rather than the transfer portal. Yeah, and, and of course, you're not saying this. I'm, I hope you don't think I'm correcting you. You still have to be able to get good players out of the portal, yeah, too. absolutely. But more you can't, as a supplemental piece, I you think. You can't be dependent on the portal. Now, this year, Ole Miss, I mean, it, here's the thing about Brakefield also on this team. I, I've heard a lot of people... I say a lot. I've heard from a handful of people that say, well, why should we expect a guy that couldn't play at Duke to be good at Ole Miss? Okay, say that out loud. <laughs> Mike Shashevsky signed him. 
he can play at the highest level just because he wasn't a big minutes guy at Duke. As a young player, by the way, it's not like he's been in the program for five years. As a young player, even though he was a, a sparing minutes guy, if freaking Mike Shashevsky thought that this guy needs to be in my program, this guy can play. Like, I, I don't know how many Ole Miss fans actually think that. I assume it's probably very few, but I can't tell you. I mean, there, there's a, a half a dozen people that have texted into our radio show or sent me a message when I've said something about Brakefield where they were like, Oh, I'd pump the brakes on him, no pun intended. Uh, I'd pump the brakes on him because he didn't play much at Duke. Yeah, if Ole Miss can fill their roster with Duke's backups, uh, they're really freaking good. I mean, I I don't understand that mentality at all. That's going to—I mean, he's a key piece for this team this year. He's highly talented. He can play at the next level. I I just— I'm blown away when I see stuff like that. Yeah, and and you phrased it the right way, and I was going to do the same kind of thing. In in football terms, you know, when you look at a defense like Georgia, compare it to a defense like Ole Miss, wouldn't you say, we'll take Georgia's backups if you're an Ole Miss fan out there? I think a lot of people would. And I think you can put... Um, Otis Reese? There you go. Yeah, good point. Otis Reese. The best player potentially on your defense right now was a backup at another school that is... A better program than yours. Yeah. So it's no different here. Duke is obviously a better basketball program than Ole Miss. You would take basically anyone off of their roster, except the guys maybe at the very end of the bench that the never GPA take off. Guys. Yeah. yeah, they never take off the <laughs> warm up pants. So the, the walk on GPA guys, notwithstanding, <laughs> it's uh, it cracks me up when. Uh, like basketball teams. Oh, we had a team GPA of three point two. It's like look at the six guys on the bench. <laughs> 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 There's one reason they're there. The 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 guys that are NBA players, they're not. They don't care about class. I'm not saying that they're incapable. I'm just saying that they're there to play basketball. Yeah, when you're there like, for one year, it doesn't matter what grades you get. Yeah, I, I keep seeing people say that, like Kyrie Irving. So I, we're not going to get into whether or not he should or the NBA should be forcing this on Kyrie, but. There's a chance that Kyrie costs himself a lot of money because he will not get the vaccine. And I've seen people say, oh, well, he's Duke educated, so he's clearly very smart. It's like, guys, <laughs> he was Duke educated for three months. <laughs> like, he's, I'm more Duke educated than Kyrie is. Give me a break. But anyway, no, um, no, it's it's a very intriguing year for, for Kermit Davis and Ole Miss basketball. Very important year for him, honestly. Some fans are are kind of cooling a little bit. Uh, I mean, year one, they went to the tournament with inherited players, one of which is in the NBA now, and the years have progressively gotten worse. Uh, so very important year, but he, he's added talent, and uh, we'll see if it works out. But the really good pickup on the recruiting trail for Ole Miss there. How much stock do you put into last year from a, a COVID perspective and kind of a weird year? It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I thought they on had On one a hand, chance. the games were played. Mm-hmm. The games were played. Everybody had to deal with it, and so it kind of removes the excuse when it was the same situation that everybody played in. Um, no, I, I don't think it matters too much. I yeah. really don't. I, I, I'm not saying tournament or bust this year, but my issue with the product last year was it was awful to watch. Yeah, it was tough. If you're not going to win, lose in style. You know what I mean? Right. I, th- pe- pe- some people don't like that. What I mean by that is you don't necessarily have to be a tournament team every year, but you have to be attractive or else people are going to start tuning you out. And Ole Miss basketball last year was not attractive. 
People watch the Andy Kennedy teams that you never really felt like they were going to make the tournament every year, but they would win 20 games and people would watch at least. They, they would have a guy that had a green light from everywhere, light up the scoreboard, stuff right. like and that. And you didn't so, have that a year ago. And, and I don't like doing the – people do the comparisons with Kennedy and, and all that stuff, and, and I understand why I certainly do. Um, but if you're not going to make the tournament – it also cannot be an extremely frustrating product. And watching Ole Miss try to go through offense a year ago was so, so frustrating. Um, Anyway, so we'll talk about football next. Ole Miss and Tennessee. First, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market for office technology solutions, uh, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines down to... um, Cloud storage and data security, office technology. If you're in the market, absms.com is the website. Tell them that we sent you. They'll also give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So, you know, you give them your budget, what you need, and they'll try to fit products into your budget at no cost to you, absms.com. Also, LB is just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Also, get one of their daily lunch specials. Those are Monday through Friday, but they're open seven days a week. So if you're hanging out on Sunday and you want to throw something on the grill, go to LB's and they'll sell it to you. Whatever you want for the grill, go by. Tell them we sent you. By the way, weather on Saturday in Oxford can be a little chilly. I know the game's not in Oxford, but 66 is the high. The high? The high. So congrats to you guys. All right, this game. Ole Miss, Tennessee. So we talked a tiny bit about it on Monday. One thing I kind of want to mention off the top, though, I saw Tom Hart, who I really, really like, on Twitter today say, you know, the storylines are great, big stadium, fast offense, Heisman contender, Lane's return to Knoxville, can't wait. This isn't his return to Knoxville. Did we talk about this on Monday? We did not. We didn't. This isn't his return to Knoxville. Yes, it's his first time as a head coach since then. He has coached in Knoxville twice now already. Since that happened, and it was 13, 13 years ago? Yes, 2011. No. 2007. Right? It was after the 07 season? Uh, yeah, I was thinking 2011. That's when he got fired from USC. Yeah, it was the 2007 season. Yes. Or I'm double-checking right now. I went back. L- Lane's, he's 46, by the way. Yeah. Not, not a bad-looking 40. Last year, he looked like hell. Right. <laughs> This year is a much, uh, much better. slimmer, more healthy-looking Lane Kiffin. Tennessee was 9 I'm an idiot, but it, it, so that's 13 years. We were all um, off on that timeline then. Yeah, he was with the Raiders in 08, Tennessee uh, in 09. But, one, that was 13 years ago. So, yeah, maybe there's still going to be some bad blood. I'm sure once the liquor gets flowing, people are going to be hopped up on it and screaming, F you, Lane Kiffin, all over. But this isn't his return to Knoxville. He's been to Knoxville twice. Yep. Yes, he was not the head coach. No, Nick Saban was the head coach. But he was still on the sidelines in Knoxville twice and also won there twice as the OC. But I don't know. I, of all the storylines in this game, of all the things that we can talk about, for, for some reason, maybe I'm just being obtuse, Lane returning to Knoxville doesn't move an ounce of a needle for me. That's like the last thing that I'm interested in when it comes to this game is his return because he's not returning. He's already been. 
I, it's a story when Ole Miss runs out the initial time and when they probably throw yeah. up his picture on the Jumbotron. After that, it has absolutely nothing to do with the game. And, you know, people will try to bill it that way because that's what TV networks and everyone, they're supposed to do that because sure. they want you yeah. to watch and <laughs> they need to. And I get it. I yeah. do. It's just, it's not his return. It annoys no, me. It definitely isn't. However, I went back this morning actually and watched some of like his introduction there at Tennessee and then how he left. You know, I was, I guess, 13, 14 at the time. And so I wasn't really privy to what exactly was going on. I knew about it, but I wasn't heavily invested in it right. like I was covering it or anything. And I remembered it like slightly, but his resignation press conference, I'll put in quotes, when he showed up in just like a baggy, white polo and talking to a group of gathered reporters and basically said, you know, I'm confident that, you know, I'm leaving this place 14 months later as, uh, you know, we're a better football team than we were and basically just like walked out. Like, for lack of a better term, excuse me, it was a really shitty way to do that. (laughs) So, you know, I'm sure there are fans more so that remember it. I don't think the, the players on the field are not intrinsically motivated by, you know, by Lane Kiffin returning to Knoxville in any way. It's it's just a fan thing, and that's why, like I said, I think after they run out, they show him up on the Jumbotron, I think that part of it is over. And Lane himself has kind of downplayed it over the last couple of days as well. Yeah, I listened to the um, coach's teleconference today hmm. that he was on, and he almost sounded remorseful. So he was asked about that press conference in the team meeting. He said that uh, Jimmy Sexton advised him not to do that. But he said he felt like it was the right thing to do because he truly actually deep down felt bad about leaving, didn't want to leave. And he said on the conference today, he was like, I I tried to explain to them, this is the one job. Mm -hmm. I got offered the one job that I was going to leave here for. And you could hear in his press conference on Monday when he was like, I love Knoxville. He's like, I, I still have friends there. He's like, I, my favorite house I've ever lived in was right there on the river in Hell, Knoxville. his son is named Knox. Knox, right. <laughs> he he actually truly did uh, enjoy his time there. And it sounded like today, listening to him, he really hated that he had to go. But in his mind, that's the one job. And he would have taken it. Regardless, but I, I found that fascinating is it, he strikes me. And, and also, I don't know if it matters or not. I really don't. I, we're not going to talk about the LSU thing today. I did it this morning a little bit on a live stream. I'm kind of sick of talking about it. You had a a YouTube show that is backed by Colin Cowherd say yesterday that he is hearing that Lane Kiffin is going to be the next coach at LSU. It's October 13th. There is a 0% chance that any of that decision has been made right now. The offer has not been extended to him. He's not accepted. Like That's just completely made-up BS. So I don't like talking about that. It kind of annoys me. Ignore it. He's going to get... His name is going to come up. Hell, he might even take the job. But to say that right now in the middle of October with a search that is going to include the biggest names in college football, not Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney, just ignore it. Yep. But there, there, real quick on that, I tweeted the other day after after the whole John Gruden thing. I don't want to get into that part of it. But I said, 
is you know is Lane Kiffin now going to go back to USC or the Raiders? Right. I don't think sarcasm comes through very well on Twitter. There were a couple people that did not understand I was being sarcastic. Oh yeah, but <laughs> I don't know if this means anything for this situation or not. But listening to the coaches' teleconference today, I I heard sincere regret. At the same time, he would have done it all over again because again, USC to him was that yep. job. Were they? But on... he truly, really, it, it came mm. across. He genuinely feels bad still to this day about what happened in Knoxville. He wishes he didn't have to do that. Yeah, essentially. Were they on probation? When he got there, or did that happen after he accepted? I don't remember the the exact timeline of of how that went down, but let's see. Let's because see if it, this says anything. If that was the case, I I would wonder what you know. At some point, you you look at your your dream job and you think maybe now is just not exactly the right time. If they're on that kind of probation, knowing what comes with that, and basically that that kind of torpedoed his entire tenure at USC because he was never able to build the right kind of program. I bet he would have been successful there if, you know, if not for all of that. But when Pete Carroll left, I think a lot of people seemingly knew what was coming. And, you know, I'm just not sure exactly when that shoe dropped, though. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can figure out if he knew. So he took the job in January of 2010. Um... The NCAA imposed sanctions in June of 2010. Ouch. So he took the job and then got hit with a two-year postseason ban and a loss of 30 scholarships over three years. Mm. Holy, I mean, that is just... (laughs) Yeah, and so expecting him to win there really wasn't realistic. And he did. They finished a year in the top ten. Yep, and I, I still don't think that the program has fully recovered from that. So No, it doesn't feel like it. No, they and, set themselves back on that one. And they're on the search again. But for whatever it's worth, and it may be worth zero, it's just something that I felt today listening to him on the teleconference. He truly seems to regret having to have made that decision to leave Tennessee. Hmm. I don't know if that means anything or not. I don't know if you can read in, into that or not. He didn't want to go. Yeah. But that was the job. Mm. And that was I mean, the honestly, job. And, and, you know, when people like Mike Wilbon call Kiffin out for being whatever he called him, I, I don't even remember at this point, but they they look back at that and they haven't taken time to. Like Mike Wilbon wouldn't have yeah. jumped at ESPN after right. one year at the Chicago Tribune or whatever yeah. the hell. Yeah. They don't factor that kind of stuff in. And then they don't factor in what's happened since. Has anything that Lane Kiffin's done over the last five years, six years even, showed you that he's that same guy that picked up and left Tennessee no. after one year? And this offseason might tell you whether or not that is still the case, <laughs> yeah. but no, not Play yet. Play this back to me so I can put my foot in my mouth. No, if, but if it's, things a, go. it's a very valid question. Yeah. What has he done since? Right, nothing. He's, you know, what, makes jokes on social media, and that's it. Especially, Stephen, coming from Mike Wilbon, considering, forget his time at Alabama, forget his time at USC, and even FAU, who, by the way, saw increase in student population and interest in the program like none other. Uh, A similar dynamic is happening at Ole Miss now, by the way. Uh, Like, guaranteed. If he stays after this season, just wait. Like, all the attendance, or not, yeah, attendance, student population, 
issues that people were concerned about a couple years ago, th- those won't be a problem anymore. It's crazy how that works. But since he's taken over as head coach at Ole Miss, he gets the job and COVID hits. But that's not the only thing that happened around here. You had the state flag debate. That's right. You had the protests. You had all of that stuff. And while some people, maybe some of you listening to this, were upset with him letting his team walk out of practice, were upset with him leading their protest, walking with them, letting them, encouraging them to do that, or upset with their satisfaction of moving the statue on campus and then covering it up so they can't see it from the football field. And then the COVID thing. Again, some of you may disagree with it, but he got his team 100% vaccinated. The best health official in the state, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. So he takes over as head coach at Ole Miss, navigates a state flag debate, navigates the protest perfectly, perfectly. His team gained more respect for him on on those situations than anything he's done in coaching. Yeah. That's the truth. And And then handled COVID as perfectly as a coach could have. And then you have the audacity to call. That, that's where it's so bizarre. It's, that, that clearly is coming from someone that does not pay attention. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Because if you've been paying attention, the way Kiffin is handled, the two, two of the most difficult years in college sports, at least in, in my lifetime, in terms of being in a position of power, name, image, and likeness. What has Kiffin said about it? I think they should get it. Transfer rules. I think they should be able to. I've got coaches, coaches that are yeah. mad in my room. They would take a better job tomorrow. Why can't the kid go somewhere else? So he's handled player empowerment well. He handled the flag debate well. He handled COVID well. He's handled the name, image, and likeness. I mean, everything has been so freaking good. Mm-hmm. And yet he still gets called a clown. And, I, you know, I guess your past decisions will come up to haunt you. But so far, everything he has done as the head coach at Ole Miss has been nothing like the way it was described on the apparent worldwide leader of sports. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really great way to phrase that and and bringing those kind of things into the forefront and the way you know things were handled with you know really hard conversations that were being had in society in every single locker room across the country. You know, we've heard of you know other programs where it didn't go that well in Baton Rouge, for example, where you're starting to see things play out in a different way than they're going at Ole Miss right now. So Lane Kiffin deserves a lot of credit for the personal growth that he has gone through from that guy that left Tennessee to where he is now. And again, none of that will matter X's and O's wise on the field Saturday, but it does go into the, I guess, the background heading into the No doubt. So, long-winded way to say, Ole Miss, Tennessee, now that we've put uh, Arkansas to bed, which it's hard to imagine, that game is still just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, how much fun was that? But um, overarching thought on Tennessee, we'll do the two-questions thing and pick on Friday, of course, but your overarching thought, when you look at Tennessee in this game, it is a hard sell at 102,000 people. They're going to do the checkerboards and all that. I did see Tennessee fans say today that Matt Corral has no idea what he's walking into. They just played in Tuscaloosa two and weeks ago. Like, they know what they're walking into, guys. All right. right? They, I mean, what was in Tuscaloosa is no worse at all than what they'll see on Saturday at Neyland. But the checkerboard thing is cool. It's really cool. I will say that. Uh, overarching thoughts, really, 
after Hendon Hooker took over as the starting quarterback for this team, which I know you said he should have been starting from the beginning, and you were dead on on that, I think this offense really has just taken a huge step forward. And there were plays to be made when Joe Milton was in the game. There were open receivers, other options across the field, and you could see that. He would just either overthrow them by a mile or just wouldn't be able to make the play. Hendon Hooker is making those plays. Yes. And this offense, for a defense that we saw last week, has either A, regressed, or B, was just the benefit of bad competition for the first three or four weeks of the season. They're going to have their hands full. And I feel like this is going to be another shootout-style game in Knoxville. Certainly feels like it. I will say that Tennessee, so almost has played Alabama, Arkansas, and now Tennessee. Tennessee is the worst offensive line out of the three. It is the worst defensive line out of the three. I think generally, in terms of uh, Hooker's a good player, I, I like him a lot. I, I wouldn't take him over Jefferson right now. And at least I don't think I would. I don't know. I mean, it's they're, they're he, comparable at yeah. least. He he poses a bit of a different threat. Whereas he's, he's faster, yeah. shiftier. Right. We talked about KJ Jefferson as a guy that's obviously just six four and two hundred and fifty pounds. He's not going to elude you in the same way. That, that touchdown dive from the five that was, is a big that man some going stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seeing that coming at me, if I was a defensive back, I also would have gotten out of the way. But so he presents a different kind of threat. He does out of the backfield. But I, I think Tennessee not near as good up front on either side of the ball. They've got a couple of guys on defense that are pretty good players. Um, one, I, his name is escaping me. He, he's got the dreadlocks. Um, is that Byron Young? I've got their roster in front of me. No, Jeremy Banks is who Jeremy Banks. Of. That's exactly who it is. A uh, very undisciplined football player. He's mm-hmm. athletic. He he's he flashes when you watch him. Lacks discipline somewhat. Um, as what, far as like position wise or penalties, okay. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget watching Vontez Perfect for the first time oh, yeah. at Arizona State. Me and my dad were watching. It was on like a Thursday or one of those kind of weird uh, midweek games. And this was before you got ejected if you got multiple personal foul penalties. And he got like two or three in the same game. And we were just like, who is this guy? And then, (laughs) sure enough, when he got in the NFL, that never went away. No, it didn't. But um, this is by – I think Tennessee overall is less talented than Arkansas. Uh, Lane Kiffin said that they run a defense that they have not seen yet this year. Yep. Uh, More traditional style than what, what they've seen. They'll blitz from a lot of places. Uh, not great at getting pass rush, not great at stopping the run, but they will blitz from multiple places, try to confuse Corral some. Uh, I think it's a game that they should win. It's on the road. It's difficult. Gut check time for that defense. Complete gut check time for that defense. A scam likely calls me for the 20th time today. (laughs) Um, But it's absolutely a winnable game. I think now it's a big opportunity. It's a big opportunity for the defense to show that they are not as bad as they have looked because, at least from what I've seen, it is a drop-off in physicality between Tennessee, Arkansas, and Alabama. They are not near as physical as the last two teams that they've played are. I think that's where the kind of creative element to their offense comes into play, and they use that to kind of neutralize that lack of physicality. And against an Ole Miss defense that has had trouble making the plays when they're in the right spot, I think that could be, 
you know, a real issue because, mm-hmm. you know, the way Tennessee moves the ball on offense, it is creative, it's different, and you have to kind of stick with your assignment. And if you're alone on an island with a guy running around, you have to make that play. And if you don't, you know, he's gone. So, hey, I got one too. Tell him game likely? Oh, nice. Uh, so, anyway, I think that is, again, something that will be a, a benchmark of this game and mm-hmm. deciding whether Ole Miss wins or loses. We'll see if Matt Corral can continue on that tear. Um, knock on wood, these zero turnovers tear as well. Uh, we'll see how healthy Ole Miss is. Uh, I expect them to be able to really run the football in this game. I mean, it's a big one. It's a, it's a, I, I don't know if big is the appropriate term. It's an important one. No, I, I think big, you know, every Same, splitting hairs, right? Yeah. Same difference. Yeah. Uh, getting a win here to go to five and one. And at this point, probably, probably be the number 10 team in the country with LSU, who is just completely injury depleted. They've completely given up coming to town for Ed Orgeron's final game. Cause they're going to fire him after next week before the bye. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean that's always ooh, that's a badly placed buy for Ed Orgeron. Awful. Yeah, if you have that bye week in the middle of the season, that is a prime time for coaches to get fired. Yeah, I mean you you've got a break with uh, with LSU this year on your schedule right after this. Uh, I mean it's this is a huge game uh, to really continue to take steps forward as a program. Uh, they they need this one. Yeah, they, they need this one, and uh, we'll see if they can get it. We'll do the two questions thing uh, and our pick for the game on Friday. A little bit more about our thoughts on it as well. And then it'll be game time. Saturday night, 6.30 in Rocky Top. I saw that they were playing the Osborne Brothers version at practice the other day. God, <laughs> they that's, were. that's more annoying than the Cowbells, I swear. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you then. So you all have a great rest of your day. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.